Welcome to Tecon Brujita, where we drink some tea and talk all witchy things. I'm Natalie Rodriguez. Come and flow with me as we jump to today's topic. Welcome back to Tecon Brujita. I'm Natalie Rodriguez. Listen, today I am beyond excited to bring this topic into fruition. We are diving into secret witches, and today we're going to be exploring the life of Joan of Arc, Juana de Arcos, John de Arc, and we will be exploring who was she, what did she do, what happened to her, and was she a witch or not? Before we get started, I am drinking my version of Starbucks Medicine Ball Tea, which is lemon, peach, and mint tea, both of them together. And when I tell you that this is hitting right now, Okay, so let's go ahead and dive deep. So what is Secret Witches? So before we even get started in Joan of Arc, I want to tell you what this segment is so then you can look forward to future episodes, right? So Secret Witches, this is a segment dedicated to women that have publicly claimed their divine gifts or they've utilized intuition in extraordinary ways or, you know, they've been shunned, put away, hidden, any of those type stories from women. And then I want to bring them back to life on Tecon Brujita. So who was Joan of Arc? So hopefully you've heard a little bit of her or you just know her name. Ooh, child. When I tell you that this is this woman, this young woman, because she was only 19 years old and she was ready to take down a whole system, a whole system. So let's dive deep into what she did Joan of Arc was born in 1419, and she was born to a family of farmers. They were known as peasants back in the day. So she was born also during the time where France and England were engaged in the Hundred Years War, okay? So she was born during a really tumultuous time. When she was 13 years old, she you know, claims that that was the first time that she was receiving visions. So she claims that at 13, she saw St. Michael, St. Catherine, and St. Margaret. And they were all telling her her next steps, right? Trying to divinely guide her into what she was supposed to be doing, which was engage in the war that was happening. But not only that, actually be part of putting Charles Seven crowning him king so she was going to be part of this and that was her vision that was her divine journey that she was going to take on bueno i want to remind again this was the 1400s and during these times the catholic church was a powerhouse if not in the entirety of europe right religion was a huge part in during these times so i say this just to prep your mind to think back in the day that women were seen as as tertiary humans okay not even second so when she was 14 years of age right she received this vision so by 17 years old she had made herself went to robert which was the let's call him like the captain of one of the armies because it'll be too much if i really start giving you details but she goes up to Robert and three times, two times he already had denied her that he was not going to take her to Charles Seven and all these things that she was claiming. The third time she received the vision. And by the third time he was like, okay, fine, bet. Under his suggestion, because they were going to be traveling and crossing enemy lines in France, 
it was best to dress as a man so then she can go like in disguise almost undercover to prevent being sexually assaulted not only by others the enemies but also by other men in the in the infantry right so cut her hair put her in men's clothes and they went on once she arrived to the location where um charles seven who was actually royal blood but he was not crowned king yet because that was the whole debate that was what was going on at the time um she wanted to meet with him and have an audience so then he would put her as a lead to go into war like actually lead a group of an army into lands where english had been dominating for years in these wars the, the Charles Seven, he had the bright idea to disguise himself as a regular peasant in the court while waiting for the king to show up, right, to Charles Seven to show up. And Joan of Arc was the only one who recognized him, and she had never seen him before, even in his disguise. And so that really impressed him. And so he was like, okay, bet, I think you have an ounce of truth. After this happened, she was actually put through the first trial through the church to make sure that her visions, what she was claiming was actually true. So when I tell you that this woman had to go through a chastity test to prove that she was a virgin, her whole life was questioned just to ensure that she was raised and she was who she said she was and that she came from like a humble beginning and that she believed in the word of God. After she passed this scrutinous trial and testing, right? Then she was giving 5,000 men to leave the infantry the army into orleans in france so if you didn't know that there was a place orleans in france and like i did not know this piece of information and it's good to know that we are original with our names and we just call it new orleans you know <laughs> once she got to orleans right with her five thousand men when i tell you that these people were losing the french people to the english they were losing one of the arcos or joan of arc she never actually fought anybody what she used to do in um, the way that she wished she would show up in the armies and whatnot was actually carrying a, ban a banner. And the banner had like the signs of God and Christianhood and all these things, plus like the colors of her army. So she was doing this to elevate the morale of people that have been fighting for years. You got to understand that the French armies, they were demoralized at this point. I am losing my own city to these English people who are coming in. And then all of a sudden, like this renewed hope is what she brought. And so with this renewed energy, they were actually able to make the English people flee from Orleans. And so she was she was claimed as, you know, like the defender of France and honored as such. But right after this, Charles Seven gets crowned king. So boom, her you know, divine guidance is checking off. After this, this is where her story gets like, damn, she's 17 years old and accomplishing all these things. You got to understand 17 years old for a woman. First of all, women were not even allowed to be near the army, near the court, near anything, even trying to give guidance to kings. Women were not allowed to do this, right? So once this happened, the English are like, oh my God, like we really were beat by a peasant, by a 17-year-old peasant, like this doesn't even make any sense. So they start convoluting and, and, you know, plotting and plotting against her. After Charles VII is crowned king, 
she's sent to two different wars and two different cities. The second time when she went to, it's like a place called Champagne, Champagne. I don't know how to say it. But in this place, she actually gets captured. She was captured by, you know, French people who actually sided with the English at this time. And so she was captured, sold for 10,000 francs. When I tell you this woman literally jumped a four-story building to escape, but she was caught. She actually fell in like, in like what we would cut mud like soft ground um of course she hurt herself it still didn't matter so she was captured and then she she was captured may 24th of 1430 right so she sent to different places where back in the day women who were put in jail or in prison awaiting their trial they would actually be put in church with nuns to look after them in the case of Joan she was actually put in the men's cell, like jail, to a whole trial. So in the midst of her trial, which lasted about four months, and it was done by the Catholic Church, and it was done by 40 people that sided with the English, and they were accusing her of 70 different charges, okay, 70. But listen, if you have the time, to and you really want to know more i really suggest sitting down and googling the 70 charges against joan of arc because in the in the documents that show up from these trials they allow her to respond to all of her charges and when i tell you this woman who she did not have any type of education she didn't know how to read or write but she was divinely guided and her her wits she was she oh my god and one of the charges they were accusing her of you know dressing as a man and they have warned her about it and this is like written in the bible that goes against um god's word right to dress as a man and you know being a woman and in her response was like first of all this has nothing to do with my relationship with god one two she actually explained why she was doing it, especially because she was in the jail and they had attempted to rape her. But because she was wearing men's clothes and she would tie it around her waist with ropes, that prevented her from being sexually assaulted. And then explaining this in the court did nothing for her to get moved into how they used to treat women in those places, right? In those times. So definitely Joan of Arc had this spirit at 19 years old she understood who she was she understood her gifts at not one second she allowed this trial of 40 clergy of the catholic church to put under judgment none of her visions so everything else was questioned from her life how she grew up people around her um they brought different theories of her just to try to prove that she was she was actually a witch she was being accused of witchcraft of heresy which is um, going against the Bible, witchcraft, heresy, and the undressing as a man. Once she was captured, Charles VII, the, the man that she had made king, made little to no effort to try to liberate her from the enemy's claws. So I want to tell you how trash that is too. But it's, this is not for the men. <laughs> We're talking about Joan. So in her four months, of trial she was actually submitted and put under torture just so she can admit to being a witch 
a lot of questions that were being brought up because she was able to um, really stunt the clergy. Like, how can this 17-year-old little girl really, like, put us in our place type of deal? Um, well, 19 at the time. That her trials moved from being public into privacy, right? And this was done for, for like, bigger things such as, like, if you were to admit that Joan of Arc and her gift that she could see and hear divinity, that would mean that the whole system of trying to utilize the church to be able to do this, it meant that the system that was in place, that the church was needed to intercede for the humankind to be able to have a connection to God, it fell, right? So she would actually bring down that whole system that was absolutely flawed, of course, but that didn't matter for the life of Joan of Arc at this moment. Even when she was asked about, you know, do you submit yourself to the Holy Father, the Pope? And she said, you know, take care that you do not place yourselves in the place of God, that you not put yourselves in the place of God. Um, definitely brought a lot of embarrassment and I guess even more proving to Romans verse where it states God would choose the weak to shame the strong. I think that was the whole purpose of her life. So unfortunately, May 30th, of 1931st she was found guilty of heresy dressing as a man and witchcraft and she was burned at the stake three times she was burned at this at the stake three times because the church did not want a place where people would come and pray for her and venerate her so what they did is they took her ashes and they threw it in the river I think it was in 1450, her mom was the one, Joan of Arc's mom was the one who actually started the pleading um, and begging of the reverse of the outcomes for her trial um, because she was actually, she actually did so much for, for France, right? She gave her life and she was divinely guided and, she, you know, all these things. So unfortunately, it came 500 years later where the Catholic Church did not admit their wrongs, but they made her a saint. They canonized her. So that means that to be canonized, you've had to have prayed or received a healing or miracle from this specific person three different times. And then you earned the status to be canonized in the Catholic Church if you did not know. So like, you know, St. Peter, um, St. Catherine, St. Margaret, St. Joan of Arc. So all of these saints and patri patrons, they get declared saints or patrons um, by the Catholic Church. So in the case of Joan of Arc, it was actually three different women during those times that claim to have received healing from um, Joan of Arc. And they're actually really interesting miracles. Um, I think one of them was healed from like a hole in her foot that she was born with. The other one was, I think, like her health um, issues. And it's it's interesting that it was all women, all in the city that she had liberated them. And then it came 500 years later that she was actually made a saint. So the fact that the same church that burned her three times, threw her ashes away, then turned around and made her a uh, saint. So I think that's just food for thought. <laughs> for us to really continue to dive into her story so to the question was she a witch or was she not honestly 
I'm bringing her into the secret witches, but this is a woman that accepted her divine gifts and that she had received it. She never allowed anybody else to judge her relationship with God directly or even receiving the visions because nobody would believe in here. And some of the things that included in her divine gifts, I don't know if I previously have mentioned, but she had, uh, you know, recognized Charles Seven in that court when he was disguised without ever seeing him. She revealed his own prayer to him to allow, you know, even more belief and trust into what she was saying was the right thing to do and, you know, support. She had received the hearing, the divine guidance that she was going to be leading the infantry and liberate France from English. And she was going to be helping crown Charles VII to be the king of France. So, and, and this includes a lot more that different accounts share of her, especially what were her divine gifts and, and all of these items. Is she a witch or not? <laughs> In my book, she is. My biggest lesson that I learned from reading and diving into Joan of Arc is about she really was the person that we like to claim we would be back in the day so um, when we look at like the injustices that happened back in the day we would like oh I, I would be the one burn at the stake I could never I couldn't take that and all these things well she was really that person like she was about it like regardless of her not knowing how to read or learn like she stood up to these men as a young woman first of all she stood up to this system that was actually very flawed it made this entity infallible like they were never wrong and they were doing god's work but in reality they were absolutely not even by the treatment of her not being able to be at a church with nuns for her safety like that right there just in the most minimal decency we don't even got to go through her life what she did was she was being accused of to understand that these people were not for god's work so was she sacrificed her purpose, her life purpose beyond the legacy? I mean, we talking about 1400s, 2023, and this woman's story is still so relevant and so key. The boldness, I'm telling you, like really take the time to look her 70 charges up and look at her responses, man. You're going to love her. I promise. I promise. Thank you so much for diving with me today in The Secret Witch's Life of Joan of Arc. Catch our last episode for March being the heart chakra. May you have a beautiful morning, afternoon, or evening whenever you are listening to this. And remember to stay with you, Rujitas. <music>